Zach, welcome to the Deal Flow podcast. It's good to have you on. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Okay, maybe give yourself a, or give the audience at least a quick 30-second overview of who you are, your company, all the high-level deets that they're going to want to know. Yeah. Um, so my name is Zach Witt. I started Trailhead Partners uh, with uh, Drew Langford, who is my partner. And we sell small businesses. Uh, we got into this after selling our own businesses. Uh, I had bought, kind of stumbled into the entrepreneurship through acquisition side of things. I bought my own business in 2017. It was a, a roll-off company. We hauled roll-off dumpsters. Uh, that meant um, we had about 300 dumpsters and eight trucks when I sold the business and and kind of just stumbled into a good time period. Sold that in 2021 when it turned out there were a lot of folks that were looking to get out of their corporate jobs and go buy a small business. Um, and then the investment bank that sold my company, I went to go work with them for about a year and a half before Drew and I spun out and started Trailhead. Nice. So you've had a business, sold a business, and now you're helping other people sell their businesses. It One of the things that, as I've been in this space now for, I don't know, I mean, the deal flow space, I guess, uh, depending on what you're defining it for some time, but, but kind of focus on M&A. Uh, it's interesting is as much money as goes through the, through this industry, not a lot of people really understand it. Like it, it's, you know, it's quite, it's, I mean, I just got the phone with a, with the business owner before this podcast and, you know, talking about the options to sell had no idea, you know, and, and just doesn't know it's, it's a very, why is that? Is that the old guard didn't talk about it? Like why does no one understand the m a process at a high, at even a high level? Yeah, that's a good question. I, it might be just cause there's, Yes, there are. We talk about the, you know, you, we hear on Twitter people talking about the silver tsunami all the time. And yes, are, are there a ton of baby boomers that are out selling a business? Sure. Uh, but still, the, the number of people who are entrepreneurs running a business or the percentage of the population is just so small um, that I think that most people have just never had a chance or maybe they've known one or two other people who have sold a business before. There's just not that many people that are out doing it. Now um, we, we struggle with what how to say what we do, right? Mm -hmm. If it's at a, a party, it's not an MA thing. Somebody says, what do you do? Well, we say we sell businesses. They say, oh, so you, you buy them too? Right. Well, no, I don't really buy them. I, just, I actually help other people sell them. You know, business broker, people don't really know what that is. Uh, if you said investment bank, that would, that, that doesn't mean anything right. uh, in this world, <laughs> even though there it's functionally, you know, similar to a business broker, just kind of changes size. Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating because, the, you know, you might or might not know someone who has sold a business, but even if you did, it's not like selling your house where everyone can get online to Zillow to see this is what your house lists for. And, you know, if it sells, they can kind of assume if it sells fast, you got full price. If it took six, eight months that you took a discount. You know, when you talk about selling your business, it's like, hey, buddy, Bob, yeah, we're doing this much, this much a year. You, you actually got to start divulging your inner secrets of your company to your friends. And so I think that also creates a, a barrier to to talking about it, because if, you know, just like conversations we'll have offline, it's not as simple as saying they do this much and here's their their, their net profit. And, yeah, this is the formula that makes it work. There's a lot involved. And so to, to get counsel from people, you got to really open up. And I think that creates... Um, 
the tendency for business owners not to share the intimate details with other business owners, because even the ones who do know, you got to kind of open up the vault, if you will, to, to tell everyone. And then you might be embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. It's, it's a, it's just a weird dynamic of sure. how owners handle that. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I think that where, where things get a little bit uh, tricky with business that you don't get in, in real estate is uh what is it? What does do mean? If somebody says I'm doing five million a year, or I'm making five, well, right. make is doing a lot of work in a lot of those cases. Where <laughs> make make might mean top line revenue. Uh, make to some people means uh, gross profit. Make to some people means net income. What they're actually paying taxes on. It, very rarely does it actually mean EBITDA or whatever we would consider to be kind of our our basis for valuing the business. So. That uh, there's just there's a there's a lot of definitions floating out there. I think for people, yeah, exactly. And I think that's part because of the way the tax laws work, right? So you can, as a small business owner, all the tax advantages you have, you can do a lot of things with your company to cover personal expenses or whatnot. And so you start saying make, it's like, yeah, it's it's very tough to determine what that what that term is. Um, and so, okay, with that being said, if you're listening right now and they go, you know, I, I have a company. I sold my house by myself. I sold my car by myself. Why on earth would I ever call up a business broker or M&A advisor, whatever you want to call yourself, Zach? Why would on earth would I ever call you to sell my business? Just put it on um, Craigslist or you know Facebook Marketplace sure. or whatever. Find some website that will do it for me. Why would I need outside help? Help. So I, I think there's two. I think there. I think there are there are people who can do it themselves, and and they don't need to come talk to me about it. That's great. Um, I, I will say that I wanted to get into this, uh, business. I knew that I was better at buying and selling than I was operating a business. And, uh, and I still, uh, went and hired a bank to go sell mine, uh, just because it's, uh, it's tough. It's stressful. Uh, owning a business is stressful, but the last four months of owning it when it was closing was absolutely, uh, my most anxiety filled months of running that business. And so in some ways I just needed a, a sounding board, right? I needed a friend that I could call and, and I knew was representing me and say, Hey, are we going to get through this? Uh, what do we need to do right now to, to save the deal? Cause it feels like it might be falling apart. Um, so that's part of it. I think on the other side of it, we, we kind of tend to see two situations where, we can we can give the most benefit, the most value to an owner. One is just somebody who has never gone through the process, has no idea how it works. This is typically uh, either someone who is uh, very busy running multiple businesses or is potentially uh, has been running this business for 40 years and never even contemplated selling it and just needs a little help there. And so in that case, we're going to do everything we can to kind of educate and walk them through that process. The other situation is kind of the opposite where we see a lot of benefit. And that's when we have businesses or we have owners who are working in a business that is um, highly competitive for buyers. So we have a lot of buyers out there who are highly acquisitive acquisitive, they're out um, rolling up companies, they're submitting unsolicited offers. These business owners are getting emails, you know, four or five times a week, whether it's from buy side firms or from private equity groups or strategic uh, businesses themselves. And in those situations, 
there's just a real advantage to running a competitive process and being out able to go out to maybe it's 10 parties on a very narrow search. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 300 if it's a business that fits a lot of people's investment criteria. But in that case, we just see huge uh, discrepancies in or differences in how those same buyers who might be on face value, similar buyers um, targeting similar criteria, but choose to value business very differently. And so in those cases, we want to go out to all of them all at once, confidentially, competitively, make sure that we're kind of holding their feet to the fire uh, as far as getting us what, what we need to make the right decision, find the right buyer. Okay. So let's maybe unpack that for half a second, because I'm thinking about the gas stations down the road. I walk into the Chevron or the Texaco or whatever it is, the, not the Bucky's Bucky's is the crown jewel, but the non Bucky's. And I'm like, okay, these are all the same. Like how can they be so much different? And so I'm guessing when you're saying that there's a tendency that we kind of project that businesses look the same because to the outside facing, they they probably do a lot of the customer stuff. If you're getting a lawn care business, they or a roofer, they probably have a similar website. They probably have, you know, basically the same pricing. So what's behind the curtain that makes bidders go, you know, this one's worth more or this one's worth less. Yeah. Um, first, I think you're right. I think we do try to, we want to just, we, I mean, people, right? We want to say, yes, there's a formula, especially kind of if you're in the, the finance or acquisition world, you you want to be able to put things down on paper and know exactly what you're getting and make sure that it's comparable to what other people are paying for it, right? Like we do houses. We want to say, well, what's the price per square foot? No, it's over, it's underpriced. I don't know. We want to find a value there. But for, for businesses, they're just... Um, there's criteria that you don't see when you look at net numbers. So we don't know, you know, some of the most important ones that come up are customer concentration, for instance. Uh, and that can be a little bit subjective. Is all of your business kind of in one or two customers? Uh, all right, that's one thing. Now, who are those customers? Do we have anything contracted? How long have they been there? And then also, what are their other options if they do decide to go with somebody else? Is there anyone else out there? Um, we talked with a, a business recently that had fairly high customer concentration, but they have a really uh, geographically restricted service radius that would make it really difficult for somebody to come in and compete with them. So on face value, Customer concentration, yeah, that's a big deal, but we think that we kind of have this geographic moat in place where maybe that's less of a big deal. And it just takes a little bit of work to, to dig in and, and come to that number. You know, other big ones we we certainly hear about uh, would be how involved is the owner in selling the business. Um, and that I think, you know, that's a good example where you've got, Half of the buyers are going to say, no, 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 owner has to stick around after the sale because they're highly involved in the business and we can't possibly bring in a GM and run it without them. Great. That's one buyer. But then we have this other half of buyers who that is what they're looking for is a retiring owner because they are going to either come in and be the owner operator themselves or they're a group that's going to parachute in a CEO that's kind of been a, a CEO in waiting at their shop and is going to come in and run the business. And so, again, you just don't know that until you you talked with enough different buyers out of the space. So on, on some level, it sounds like 
the business owner who wants to sell, they don't actually have an ICP identified of who they want to sell to. Uh, and so that makes it hard to navigate from today to, to get to an exit because there is it the 50%? Are you trying to sell it to someone who wants you to stay on or not want to stay on? And so those kind of things make it hard to understand how to position your business because you mentioned kind of this moat thing at the previous company I was working at and I ended up buying. We sold to not this group, but a different group. Um, they come to us and they wanted to know our MSAs because certain companies in those oil and gas industries would shut down MSA process. And so you couldn't get an MSA. And so if you had an MSA with a large company, that could be, you know, 50, if, if the right buyer could be 20, 30, $50 million worth of revenue to, to acquire a company to have that MSA. And that's, of course, that's very unique and very kind of niche as far as what's going on there. But there are all these things. So you're sitting here, you're going, yeah, I, 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 I might want to sell my business, but how do I know what path to even take? Is that where you guys come in? Like, like, is it too soon? So if someone says, I'm thinking about selling, but I'm not sure, should I add more clients? Should I try to build a kind of moat? Like, what's step one here? Yeah, usually people come to us for like one of, they're in kind of one of three uh, positions, maybe one of four. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I can get to four. But, you know, generally it's, uh, hey, I... I don't even know if I've got a business that's sellable, but at some point I'd like to retire or get out of this thing. And so I just kind of want to know, I want to know what the market is like. Um, great. We can talk to them about that, you know, maybe talk a little bit about value, kind of back of the envelope math stuff and, and just give them some insight. And that typically will will tell them, all right, maybe they need to make some changes moving forward to have a really sellable business, or maybe they're in a good spot now. Um the the other situation is, or one of the other situations is maybe they've been approached by a few buyers and they just want some some help walking through that. They know the buyer they want to sell to. They're happy with the offer. They don't want to really go through a full M&A process. Um, they just want to uh, make sure that these terms that they're being given are roughly market and not getting them in trouble. Um, and then another one would be somebody has been approached a bunch of times by buyers and just knows it's it's time to sell. And so in that case, yeah, a lot of what we're doing is talking to them about how those buyers might be different and might approach their deal differently. And maybe they were approached by a private equity group three years ago who said, we need you to stick around for 10 years and uh, and run the business for us or execute this big roll up strategy and so in their mind, they've said, I'm never going to sell the private equity because I don't want to do that. That That's not the position that I want to be in. And what we can do is come in and say, no, no, that's that's probably not your only option, right? There's there's different people out there with different strategies. What's the biggest hindrance that you see from companies that you talk to that are thinking about selling but can't sell? Uh, well... Right now, a a particularly tough spot I think that that a lot of owners are in is that they they got a big boost in maybe 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, just had a big COVID boost there, and we're probably uh, probably received some unsolicited offers from buyers during that time period because it was a really hot time for lower middle market acquisitions uh, and multiples were pretty high at that time and said, no, you know, no, no, couldn't possibly sell my business for that amount of money. Look how much money I'm making right now. Um, and maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit 
for the next couple of years uh, or weren't able to keep price increases in lockstep with the huge cost increases that we've seen for a couple of years. And so are just not making the kind of money that they were back in 2020. Uh, this is this is very common that we're running across businesses who had been kind of consistently cash flowing, call it two to four million dollars, and are now seeing essentially zero net out of the salary they're taking home. You know, they're making five hundred thousand, and that's all the business is showing on the bottom line. That obviously is a hindrance. Um, and it's a really tip, difficult spot for, for owners to be in, particularly those that are kind of approaching retirement age and thinking about getting out soon. Yeah. And, and you see on Twitter, I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But I see on Twitter, especially commercial real estate, this big debate over what interest rates you're going to do. And I'm like, I have no idea. I, I fun, and no, Neither do any of you people. Okay. We can guess, we can speculate, but you know, tomorrow, if all these wars end and something crazy happens and OK, that's one thing. And if 15 more wars break out or COVID, you know, like it's impossible to really predict where these things go. And I, I do think that in this low interest rate environment we've been in for so long, people kind of feel like they have a good grasp of what's going on at the market. And it's like, you know, that's not it wasn't true then. It's definitely true now. So you're sitting here today because you know, we talked to a lot of owners and they'll say, yeah, I want to sell in two, three, four years when we get this number, kind of that same mentality, but we're hearing that today. And I, and I don't, I say, okay. When interest rates go down. What yeah. The, right. I'm like, okay, great. I hope, I hope that works out for you. But in two, three years, the economy could be in a full blown depression, you know? So it, and I'm not saying that everyone should sell today or not, but it is a, there, how do you help people? Because there's, there's help and there's advice, right? So, I mean, maybe you advise them. I don't know. But how do you help people think about, okay, here's where we are today. Here's what we do know that's true. Six months, two years. If anything, the past three years has taught us is that, that things can be turned upside down quite quickly. So you don't want to fear monger. You don't want to sell the, you don't want to sell the moon. So how do you strike that balance of saying, okay, hey, here's some good sound advice or counsel or how to think about this um, as you prepare to sell your business if you are thinking I'm two, three, four, five years out? So we... On, on one note there, we've always felt like it's not, you know, there's nothing that we can do to convince someone to, to sell their business, right? That's not our job here. And so what that also means is that I, I just feel like when it's, when it's time to sell, it's time to sell. Um, and the spot that we're in right now with interest rates where they are, if it's not time to sell, you're just hoping that someone uh, comes in and gives you an offer that you can't refuse. Maybe that happens. If you're in a business that uh, you've got some buyers out there that really want to get into your location, your industry, your market, can that happen? Yes. Um, I think we're seeing it happen less now. And so it really is just a, you've got to say, all right, I'm either selling or I'm not. And if I want to sell, then I'm going to sell. And the the value is kind of, it is what it is, right? It's going to be a market value on the deal. And it's our job to push that as, as high as we can while still finding a, a the right buyer who can steward the business long-term. Now, if the position they're in is saying, uh, I definitely don't want to sell today, but I want to sell in three, four, five years, then we're going to talk about a few inflection points um, on kind of value that we see. You know, the, the biggest ones kind of being one, three, and five million in EBITDA. 
where we feel like once you start hitting these benchmarks, then we start really opening up the buyer market to more and different types of buyers that can be interested. Um, and so we're talking with them some about that, you know, kind of here's the value as we see it right now, kind of here's the value as we see um, that we might see as you grow, as well as here are the buyers that could be interested in the business right now. And then if you were to hit these kind of benchmarks that you were telling us that uh, you were projecting for the next few years, then here's how we think this would open open those windows up for you. Um, so when somebody's just, you know, cranking away and, and they've got a great business that's cash flowing good money, then often they can go through that themselves. Sometimes we're coming in and recommending that they take a step back uh, and maybe do some exit planning or consulting or engage a fractional CFO, someone that can help them shore up both the financial and operational aspects of the business, because it might just not be in a good spot to sell. Um, and we're, we're increasingly recommending, um, you know, trying to bring in some consulting groups because we don't do that kind of paid retained consulting work. We want somebody that can come in and be laser focused on it. Uh, we, we are seeing a lot of that now. I'll add one thing to that. Um, when I sold my last company, uh, it was 2020 and then 2020 began 2021 anyways. And the oil market took a huge beating. And I, I didn't, when I bought the company, I had plans to take the company into new spaces. Didn't get the chance to because of the, the crash we saw in the oil market. And I didn't want to rebuild it. I did, it, it, it was no interest to rebuild that company back to what it was doing because I didn't want to do it in, anyways, much less to try to get to where I wanted to go. And so for me, one of the things you might want to consider is if if you do have to go through another down spot, down, down patch. Um, do you want to rebuild this thing? Like, cause that's, that's all. Yeah. And for me, there was, there was this 0% chance I had any interest in those guys that bought it. They're doing great. And more kudos to them, but zero, I mean, none makes me now think about, Oh my gosh, I hated doing what we're doing. I was trying to get us out of it. And so when it hit, there's like, no, I have no desire to rebuild this thing. Some owners like that though. And if you like that, then that's different. But if you're sitting here going, man, if we have a rough patch, I don't really want to rebuild this thing. That also might make you consider <laughs> looking at an exit sooner rather than, rather than later as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's the spot that that I was in when I sold. There were a lot of things that I liked about running my business. Um, there were some good days, but then when I really thought about where we were then and the investment that it was going to take to get to any next level. I, I just didn't, I didn't necessarily want to do it. Um, right. I think that's, that's, you know, we, you and I see that on Twitter a lot. People say like, why would anybody sell this business? That's crazy. Something has to be terribly wrong with it that they're hiding uh, if they want to sell a business. But no. sometimes it's just, it's just time to sell. Uh, you want to move on, go do something else. You know, just like somebody switches jobs because it's time for a change. It's it's no different for business owners. Yeah. Humans are complex. We all have different motivations and we rank things. And we prioritize. We, we, as, it's funny because you mentioned that as as bosses or employers, whatever, you know that your employees all have different motivations. When it comes to selling a business, it's like, oh, well, all owners must have the same motivations. Like, no, 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 that's, yeah. that's not at all. They're people too. You know, they, they have different things. And so yeah. um, we, we see people who want to sell because... They want to retire or, I mean, talk to a guy the other day, he got a great business and he goes, you know, I don't, you know, I'm making whatever he's making. He's making a kill and he goes, you know, yeah, I'd sell. And if I sell, they're going to pay me like 18, $20 million. And okay. It's like, yeah, so he's not really wanting to sell, but you know, if he could, if he could get a check for 20 million, then yeah, who wouldn't sell? And so 
you know, his motivation is not the same as someone else. And so, but if he did sell, you couldn't say, well, there's something wrong with the business because $20 million is a lot of money. <laughs> you know, sure. Even for a business that's doing really good, 20 million is still a lot of money. Um, but you got no debt. Okay. We're, we're going to link to your Twitter uh, in the show notes, uh, website, anywhere else you want us to send people to or anything else you want to mention before we get out of here today. No, um, uh, don't, don't follow me on Twitter. If you want really, uh, serious, hard hitting business facts. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, if, uh, you know, hopefully we can have some fun on Twitter together, then yeah, come check me out, but yeah. It's pleasure. Show me your SIM, right? <laughs> yeah. Show me your SIM. See, I am though. That, that, yeah, that's see, a- I am. <laughs> All right, Zach, we will link to that in the show notes and, uh, Thanks again for coming on, and we'll talk soon, brother. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Bye.